Orchard. Wasn't that pretty exciting? You guys, I hope you're looking forward to today uh, hearing from our Mexico mission team that we just got back a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to take all the service today to tell you about our amazing trip. Uh, before we do that, we want to welcome our guests. If this is your first time at Orchard Church this morning, we are thrilled to have you uh, worshiping with us today. Inside of your newsletter, there's a connection card. If you do us a favor, just fill that out and drop it in the offering bucket when we receive our gifts at the end of service. We want you to be more than just a face or a number in the crowd today. We want to get to know you a little bit. And we'll, we're not going to bug you. We're not going to show up on your doorstep. We're going to send you a thank you note from our church and a coupon for a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. Who doesn't like Chick-fil-A? So uh, be sure to fill that out this morning. Uh, when we started Orchard Church back in 2007, we 
always had the desire that we didn't want to just start our church. We wanted to help other churches and, and missionaries because uh, the mission of Orchard Church is to make disciples. And it's based on what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not just here but around the world. And one of the ways we get to do that is by partnering with other missionaries who are doing team, kingdom work around the world and trying to reach people for Christ and partnering with them. And so in 2008... Orchard Church took on our very first missionary family for financial support, and that was April and Adolfo Rezga. And we're going to put their picture on the screen right now. And this is April and Adolfo, uh, their children, Kevin, uh, Katie, and Amanda. And we have been supporting them for six years. And so we were excited to take a team from our church on the first trip down there to see this work firsthand. And we also, about a year ago, started a Mana Feeding Center in Mexico as well. And so we were super pumped to go and, and take this trip and see things firsthand. And so I want you guys to hear about our trip today and from our team uh, that went to Mexico uh, there in Orizaba. Orizaba is about an hour and a half west of Veracruz. If you know where Veracruz, Mexico is down the southern tip, it's on the Gulf of Mexico. It's about an hour and a half up into the mountains. They're at about four or 5,000 feet. And that's where we, we took our trip into Orizaba. So let's welcome out the mission team uh, right now to the stage. Welcome them this morning. Just stay back there. Yeah, they were back there. I said, it's, it's hard doing this like three times. I said, yes, I know. I know what it feels like. Every week they're like, yeah, I, f I forget. Like, did I say this in the first service or this service? I said, yes, I understand. I know what you're talking about. Uh, this was a great team. I just want to say that uh, th these guys were awesome. They all did a tremendous job. Uh, everybody had just an amazing attitude. This, this was probably one of the, the smoothest trips we ever had, other than getting there. Getting there was a little difficult. We left on a Monday and we flew into Houston. And we were, had a connecting flight. We had a layover for a couple hours there. And then we were supposed to leave around 10 o'clock and get into Veracruz. Uh, I think it was, actually, no, we were supposed to leave at like 8 o'clock, get into Veracruz about 10 o'clock. And then it's about an hour and a half drive. So we were thinking we'd get into Orizaba about 11.30, maybe get to bed by midnight. And our plane in Houston kept getting delayed, kept getting delayed. They kept uh, saying, okay, it's upstairs at this gate. No, now it's downstairs at this gate. No, it's upstairs at this gate. No, that plane's broken. We're like, we want a fixed plane, please, not a broken one. So by the time we finally left there, it was after 10 o'clock. So we didn't land in Veracruz till around midnight. And then we thought, okay, well, 1.30, you know, won't be too bad. And then what was supposed to be an hour and a half drive turned into a little over three-hour drive. We were actually stopped on the highway for over an hour, just didn't move an inch. Uh, they had a big wreck. And so we didn't get to bed until about 3.34 in the morning. And then we kind of got started on Tuesday uh, afternoon working. And one of the first things they had us do for the first couple of days was we... we we're painting and doing some painting and some cleaning and things like that. So Joe, I'm going to have you kick us off down there. Uh, Joe was one of our, our painters. He did a lot of painting and things. But tell us about your experience of the trip, there, Joe. Well, it was uh, really immensely rewarding to, uh, to, to uh, do all the work there. It, it was nice that they put a lot of thought into making sure that uh, there was plenty to do. And when, we, uh, <laughs> when we'd get up in the morning, we'd get picked up in the van, and they'd bring us to the church. We'd have breakfast at the church, and then we'd find out what they needed to have done that day. And like I said, it was really rewarding to be doing work that they really needed to have done. And the thing that really impressed me was from their congregation. They had people that uh, showed up and did things and worked every day. 
and they just really had a heart for working in the church. Yeah, that's great. And then one of the things they asked us to do, and the, they had us painting a lot of just general things like walls that just needed to be touched up and stuff, which um, Joe was good at that, I was good at that, but they wanted some artistic work, and they had this wall, they said, we want you to turn this into like a Noah's Ark theme with animals. They didn't let me touch that, which was probably a really good idea because I can't even draw a good stick figure. But thankfully, we were blessed with some artistic people on our team. God knew we would need them. We, we didn't know this until right before the trip that they were going to want us to do this. And so several of the girls were really good artistically. And Missy, you were one of them. So tell us a little bit about your Noah's Ark painting that, that you guys did. And I think we had some pictures of that. Well, I had the opportunity to work on the Noah's Ark, and it was a great experience. We all worked together, and we made out a plan, and it really pulled together. And it was just amazing to see the kids' faces when they walked in. It just brought a whole new energy, and they saw we did it just for them. And it just really brought a whole new vibe to the place. And it was just so great to do something for the kids that they could remember us from, and that will be there for a long time. So that was really great. Yeah, and you guys can see the before, that's the wall on the left, they were like, turn this into Noah's Ark, and then you can see on the right um, what a lot of the girls did, and I think some of us guys, like, once they outlined it, we got to fill in, like, color pages. They let us do that a little bit, but they pretty much did all of the, the drawings. I think they did a great job, didn't they? Didn't they do a good job? And they asked us to put a saying. They said, we want you to put some kind of saying on Noah's Ark so you can see there's some Spanish writing. So, Missy, tell us what that says, and there's a little story behind that. It almost didn't turn out like that. Well, it says God always keeps his promises, and as you can see, it's in Spanish. And we just wanted to write something that had to do with the Ark. So, as you know, the, sto the story of Noah's Ark, um, where he promised there wouldn't be any floods anymore. So we decided to put that, and we were really excited about it, but we, the whole time we were thinking we were going to put it in English, and we almost <laughs> were about to write it all out in English, and we realized the kids don't speak English, so they would come in, and they wouldn't even know what it said, so thankfully some of the, the people at the church were able to write it out for us, and we could paint it, so that was great. It was funny, though. Yeah, it was much better in Spanish since yeah. they speak, so that worked out good. Well, pass the mic down here to uh, Paul. On Thursday night, they had a men's meeting. They do this about once a month, and they had 30-plus men show up for this men's meeting, and we had a, a lot of fun and some cool things that happened there. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about the men's meeting. Um, you know, like Doug said, uh, we probably had 30 or 40 people there, and the interesting part was the, the leader of this particular part was also a leader in the kids' ministry at the church. And so what they do is you imagine here's 30 or 40 grown-ups doing the kids' games like they would do in some of the, the classrooms we have back here. Um, just absolutely hysterical. Uh, we actually have a picture of, we have of some a couple video. of them. And, <laughs> They'd actually given us sandbags. That's what was on our heads. But each of them had a hole in it, and the sand kept falling in your face. We were digging sand yeah. out of our hair for a it couple was, days. It was, and that wasn't, you didn't even see the funniest one because they made all of us do the funniest one. If you can imagine, there's a kid's game where you line up in a line, and they'll call out a number, and then you have to go to the end of the line. You have to crawl through the 
people's legs and get to the front and you keep doing that. Well, that worked fine for Pastor Doug. I was really <laughs> good at that game. Yes. But Joe and Gary, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. But what it did is it really got the men involved right in the very beginning. And the part about this men's group that was most interesting to me was everybody was involved. Uh, you know, you go to meetings either at your work or wherever you happen to be going, and you're there for five minutes and you're already looking at your watch. And you're going, okay, how long do I have to be here? How long is it now? What do I have to do next? We're all into this, what's coming up. This men's meeting these people were so absorbed in the message and talking about the Bible and talking about Jesus um, and how that impacts their life. And Pastor Doug did uh, uh, spoke that night and he talked about how to be the leader in your family as a man. So you're a spiritual leader, you're the financial leader, you're the security guy, you're everything. And they just sit there and absorb it all. It's just unbelievable. And the part was, we were there probably three hours is getting to be nine, ten o'clock. And, you know, we've been working since eight in the morning. So we were getting pretty tired. So they took us back to the hotel. Well, these men will stay there till after midnight. And this is what, they're just into it. I mean, it's, it's what it's all about. And, and the part was, as you looked around this room, uh, outside of there's only one white-haired guy in the whole place, um, which was me. <laughs> There's not a single iPad, iPhone, anything out. Nobody's doing Candy Crush while people are talking or any <laughs> of that stuff. I mean, they were, they were there for this men's meeting, and it was, it was wonderful to see, to see how God is touching this church. Yeah, it was great. And while we were at the men's meeting on Thursday night, yeah, you can pass that down to Kendra. She's going to be next. Um, as, what's that? Oh, yeah, we got one yeah, other. I forgot. Sure. Thank you for reminding me. Okay. See, I, I thought we've already done that. We, we did that in the other two services. Yeah, just, yeah, believe me, this happens earlier. every week. It was uh, <laughs> we have a picture that Paul took. Uh, this is a picture that we caught, and you may recognize the fellow there. Uh, he <laughs> leads the music here most Sundays, and there's a little story behind this picture. Tell, tell him about that, Paul. Okay, so we have a van that we help purchase for the church down there, and that's how we would get around because... The hotel was a mile or so from the church and, you know, where we needed to go. Well, there's only nine of us, and that's the hard part you have to think about. Well, we're getting ready to leave from this particular day's work, and somebody, you know, we're going to close the door, and then somebody says, that's in the back, says, well, Shelly's not here. Just so you know, it wasn't Doug that said it. He didn't even know she was missing. Thanks, thanks Paul. Thanks. <laughs> I was thinking it. Yeah. <laughs> But Shelly shows up and said, okay, everything's fine now. So we close the door and away we go. Well, we are now a block and a half or two blocks away from the church. Nobody knows he's missing yet. <laughs> we look out the back window. Here he comes running up the street chasing the van. <laughs> so from that point forward, every place we went, every one of us would say, is Gary here yet? Yeah. We so... We almost lost our worship almost. director, but he made it back. Yes. We did bring him back. We and his back. Spanish was a little tacky, so he wouldn't have yeah, lasted very long. he wouldn't have lasted very, very long. No, no, he wouldn't have. All right. Well, pass that down to Kendra. While we were at the men's meeting on Thursday night, the ladies were preparing for the ladies' meeting that was going to take place on Friday, and they were going to have a, a ladies' brunch, and it happened to be Valentine's Day. 
and they celebrate Valentine's Day there in Mexico just like we do here. Actually, they even celebrate, you know, even bigger than we do. And so tell, tell us a little bit, Kendra, about the ladies' meeting and what took place there. So while the guys were out at uh, their men's rape function, we were at April's house baking desserts because they don't get desserts in Mexico, not like we're used to in the United States. They have like two options, yellow cake or chocolate cake, that's it. So we brought a bunch of stuff with us and we baked all night. And they were so blessed by having these goodies. They were you know, stealing them in the purchases and stuff at the ladies' retreat. Mm. Um, the thing I was really blown away by is that we were busy baking, but when we showed back up at the church the next morning, I don't know what happened, but there must have been 100 ladies there working all night, I would think, because the place was beautiful. They just had turned it into this big Valentine's luncheon boutique. It was absolutely gorgeous, and the people were just so thrilled, so happy. I was just blown away by the number of volunteers that show up. People from the church just every day there serving us, helping with the church, laughing, just so engaged with their church, and um, it was great to see. And they usually have about 140 to 150 people in an average Sunday church service. There were 160 women who came, so it was very well attended, and people were inviting people. They're in, uh, community were, was engaged, and it was great. Shelly did a great message on friendship and the value of being a good friend and having a faithful friend, and that was great. Blessed all the women there. Awesome. Thank you, Kendra. And then on Friday night, if you want to pass the mic down to Shelly, on Friday night, every Friday night, they do an outreach uh, ministry to people at the regional hospital. And they go there, and I'm going to let Shelly tell you a little bit of, about that. But this is probably one of the most moving and impacting nights while we were there because there were people in real need and we were able to see ministry firsthand and some evangelistic opportunities to bring people to Christ. So Shelly, tell us a little bit about that opportunity on Friday night. Well, we, we thought we were going to be like going to a waiting room or something like that. And um, what we didn't understand is um, that these people had come probably like a three-hour bus ride to be there with their loved ones that were in the hospital. And they basically slept outside the hospital on a mat or a tarp or whatever they had and um, because they couldn't afford to stay in a hotel, um, maybe, you know, couldn't afford a meal or anything. And so we took them a meal. We took them a bean sandwich. I didn't even know that existed, but they were excited to have it. And um, we'd prepared those at the church before we left and we brought them some coffee and then um, Marcial presented the gospel and we had a worship service and um, talk about ministering to the brokenhearted. You could just feel um, the hurt and um, the brokenness that was there just outside. And they were just coming around and trying to see over shoulders to be a part of the service um, that, that we had brought. And one of the really cool things was we had a five-gallon jug full of coffee, and um, we were passing out cups, and um, they were standing in line to fill up their cup. And um, it wasn't very long until we had to, like, tip it forward. And if you know about the five-gallon jugs, once you have to do that, there's not a whole lot left. And there was a really long line, and I was like, there's no way we're going to have enough. And I felt so bad for these people. I wanted to make sure that they each got a cup of coffee. And we just kept pouring and kept pouring and kept pouring. And sure enough, we had just enough. And we actually had two cups left over that we had to find somebody to give it to because, you know, God just gave the increase because I don't, I don't, it was a complete miracle. And um, it was really cool to be a part of that evening and to encourage 
um, those people that were there and many accepted Christ um, that night, and it was a real blessing. It was awesome. One of the things we were most excited about is getting to see our feeding center, and I know a lot of you guys support our feeding centers. We have three feeding centers that we fully support uh, as a church around the world. We have one. Our first one we started is in Haiti, um, and then we started one in the Philippines, and then a little over a year ago, we started this feeding center in Orizaba, Mexico. And so those of you that give to the feeding centers through the ministry of this church, the, these are our kids that we support, that we would not, they would not be able to have this ministry. They would not be able to feed these kids without your faithfulness. So thank you guys so much, all of you who give uh, to help our feeding centers. And, and even those that, of you that, that give in our church, just, if you just tithe, even if you just do that, we, God led us several years ago as a church, we tithe off your tithe. And we take 10% of all of the tithe and we put it into missions. And that's how we're able to help these missionaries to support them and, and the different work. So you guys are a part of all of that. And thank you so much for your faithfulness because it makes a, a big difference. It really does. It really does. So I want uh, Kathy and then Melanie to tell us a little bit about our feeding center. I mean, this is our feeding center uh, through this ministry and, and what we were able to see with these kids being fed. Well, on Saturday, we went to the church and there uh, we set up an assembly line to put meals together. We had hot dogs with condiments on it, which was actually... Um, bacon fried with onions we put on top and tomatoes and they had a salad and a little bit of macaroni and we put 150 of these meals together and originally the church had been doing the meals at the church but there was no way for the people who were impoverished to get there so they realized really quickly they needed to transport these meals so they fix them at the church they put them in bags they transport them into the areas that are in need and if you saw the playground the playground is in the middle this beautiful playground in the middle of real poverty and these are people who homestead they get a piece of property they build a shack later on they improve on it and put a home on it and this is where they live and these people don't have regular food and regular meals so when we got there there were over a hundred kids waiting for us they knew we were coming they knew we were bringing food and they were waiting for us with smiles on their face yep. pass down to Melanie so to continue off what she was saying, um, so as she said, we arrived there and there was like hundreds of kids there and they were so excited for us to be there and we had balloons for them and we had face painting and we had a concert Gary did and we had another concert and it was just so much fun and my mom had been on um, two Haiti trips so she always brought back pictures of like her and little kids and so I was always so jealous of her and I always wanted to have that opportunity. So the, here it was and so um, the feeding center was my favorite day. Um, I got to meet like a bunch of different kids. I took a bunch of different pictures and actually my favorite part of the whole experience was that um, there was teens there and they were so, so willing to come up to me and talk to me and ask me about like myself and like how my life was back in the U.S. And thank goodness I knew a little Spanish or else I wouldn't have done very well. Um, so it was just amazing. And what I took back from it the most is that those teens specifically, um, we all connected and now I have them as friends on Facebook and I talk to them every week. So it was just a really great experience for me. Yeah. One of the neat things that happened when we were at the feeding center, and I think we may have saw it in the video that we played. I don't know if you guys caught it or not. There was this little boy who showed up, you know, to be fed at the feeding center, and he had a T-shirt on. It was a light blue T-shirt, and it said Brighton Rec Center on the T-shirt. 
And we were like, Brighton? Wait a minute. And, and then we, somebody recognized, said, that's, that is our t-shirt. I mean, that's a t-shirt from our Brighton Rec Center, because my kid has one of those. And we were all trying to figure out, how did this kid in Orizaba, Mexico, get a Brighton Recreation Center t-shirt? And so we asked Adolfo, and he goes, oh, don't you guys remember? You guys sent all those Christmas shoe boxes to the kids in the feeding center, and somebody in our church put a Brighton Rec Center t-shirt in, and he had it on that day. Isn't that awesome? And that, I thought that was, that was great. It was really cool. And then, of course, we got to be in their service on Sunday, and this church was started in 2008, Adolfo and April, their family, uh, they felt like God called them to Orizaba, Mexico. Uh, they're one of the only Bible teaching churches in the city. Um, they didn't know anybody when they moved there, didn't have any friends, family, that just God called them to that city, much like God called us to this community when we planted Orchard Church. We didn't know anybody. And God has just done some amazing things over the last six years. Uh, they're running about 140, 150 people now. While we were there at the service, they had a baptismal service. I think they baptized 12, 14 people uh, that Sunday. The, the Sunday we were there was their largest regular Sunday attendance that they've ever had. So they're growing and, and, and reaching people for Christ, making disciples. And Gary and I got to participate in the, in the Sunday service. They were gracious enough to let us kind of join in with the praise team. And so... Gary, talk a little bit about the Sunday service. Well, I want to address the uh, picture of me first. <laughs> um, He's still a little bitter about yeah. that. <laughs> so the reason that happened, I was, I was at the church. We were translating a song, uh, one of the songs we sing here, Alleluia, for, in Spanish. So it was, it was, that was really fun. But yeah, I, I walk out and I'm like, where's, there, where's everybody at? You know, And, and the, the guy that was there like, couldn't speak English, but he was like pointing down the road. <laughs> And I'm like, did they really just leave me here? <laughs> and sure enough, I get out to the street. They're going. I mean, they're going down the street. Someone had to, like, chase them down. So I wish I had a picture from my perspective as I was running because what I saw was the van finally stopped and Paul got out with his camera and was, like, taking a picture of me. <laughs> it's like salt in the wound, you know? It, yeah. And if I could add to that, Marcial, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, he was our driver, and he's bilingual, and when he realized that we had left one of our own, he goes, wow. <laughs> we felt just great. <laughs> but I'm over it, really. He's over it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it, was, it was really a cool experience. Um, like I said, we translated one of my songs, Alleluia, and it was really neat to you know, sing that song in Spanish and see them really take that and sing it out, and it was really cool. And, you know, the service was great. I don't know if you mentioned this already, but uh, we had, I think we had like 12 to 15 baptisms. Uh, we got to witness at that service. So it was, it was an amazing time, amazing people, amazing. The, the church is, is just outstanding. Uh, I'm really, it's really cool to be there to see the church and know that we're investing in a pastor there and a leader there that's organized, that's really doing a great job with the funds that we're giving him. So it was really uh, a cool thing to ha see happen and, and that they're impacting so many lives. So Absolutely. it was great. Great to be a part of the service, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had a good drummer, too. Over. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Doug played but, drums. So, so. Um, I had shared with you guys last week to, to kind of encourage you to be here. I said that God did something unexpected on this trip. Uh, there's something we've been praying about for a while, and we had no idea that in all places that God m might answer this prayer would be in Orizaba, Mexico. 
when we started Orchard Church eight years ago, it was never our desire or intention just to plant one church. Um, the reason God gave us the name Orchard is because when you think of an orchard, you think of, of multiple trees that are fruit-bearing, fruit that bears fruit. And we want to be a fruit-bearing church. We want to re- continue to reproduce ourselves individually as we make disciples in our church and corporately as we plant other churches. You know, God didn't give us the name Tree Church. It's Orchard Church as we multiply. We had the opportunity to, to plant our first church and reproduce ourselves three years ago. We planted Orchard Church of Erie, Colorado. Uh, with Nick and Tara Olson, and for the last couple of years, we've been praying, okay, God, where do you want us to plant a church again, and, and, and who's going to be the church planter? Who are you going to bring to us that can be on our team for a year or so? We can mentor them, train them, send them out, plant the next Orchard Church, and so we've been waiting, been praying for that, and we go to Orizaba, Mexico, and to give you just a little bit of backstory of God's fingerprints and how you can kind of see things begin to take shape and go, okay, wait a minute, these can't just be coincidences. We have always, as a team, recognized the community that we're in. Um, We've got a lot of uh, Latinos in our community, a lot of bilingual Latinos, and then just south of us in the older part of Commerce City, we like to sometimes refer to that as Little Mexico, it's 70, 80% Spanish-speaking people, and many of them don't speak English at all. It's just Spanish. You know, we like to, there's a taco place we like to go in down there, and they give us the menu, and it's in Spanish, so we, we know which one, which number to pick, you know? And we've always talked about and prayed about, would God ever want us to start a Spanish-speaking work toward Hispanics, you know, that aren't bilingual in our community, and, and how would we do that, and what would it look like, and... I know this might surprise you guys, but this guy from Oklahoma, I don't speak Spanish. I know a few Spanish words, taco, burrito, tostada, I know those, but that's about it. So we, we thought, how would we ever do that? We'd almost need somebody bilingual. And while we were down there, the, the Sunday before we left on Monday, uh, there was a Latino that's been attending our church, and this young man, I, I don't even know his name. But he's been coming to our church, and he said, I love Orchard Church, and, and my family loves Orchard Church that's coming, but a lot of my family is, is Hispanic. They don't speak Spanish. Do you think you guys would ever start a Spanish-speaking work? And I said, well, maybe. You know, we'll have to see how God works that out. We're open to it. And that was on Sunday. We got on the plane on Monday, flew to Orizaba, Mexico, and by Tuesday evening, I found myself in a conversation with Adolfo's assistant pastor, who's been with him almost from the beginning of the plant of this church. His name is Marcial. And Marcial is bilingual, um, Spanish and English. He's married to an American girl. And the reason he met her, he met her in Mexico because her parents are missionaries to Mexico. So she's also bilingual. And he was asking me about our community. He said, do you have Spanish-speaking people? I said, yes. Told him a little bit about our community. And, he, and I jokingly said to him, you know, maybe you should come to the States and help us start a Spanish-speaking ministry. And he said, well, that's why I'm talking to you. About four months ago, I really felt God lay this burden on my heart to go to the United States, being that I'm bilingual, and help start a Spanish-speaking work. So then we talked a little more. We prayed a little bit more, talked to Adolfo. He knew about this. And to make a long story short, we need you guys to be big time in prayer because in May, we've already bought the plane tickets, Marcial and Jana, his wife, are going to be coming here for about eight days to do a survey trip, to be in our services, we're going to go around Commerce City, we're going to be praying together, 
And if God continues to lead in this direction, they're willing to move here in January of 2015 and help us start a Spanish-speaking ministry out of Orchard Church. We may possibly see Orchard Church Espanol started. Would that be cool? So... So we're really excited to see God, what God does with this, and so be in, in prayer for Marcial and Jana and our church. We don't want to get ahead of God. We believe he opens and closes doors. We know a lot of you guys have uh, family and friends that are Spanish-speaking that could really benefit from this type of ministry, and we're just going to see where God takes us, but pretty, pretty exciting stuff. So be praying for us and them as we move forward. Uh, we're going to show a video right now where I interviewed Adolfo and Marcial, and Marcial is the, the man that may be coming here, and so I know this will be blessing to you they got some things they want to share with our church as well so let's thank the team again as we get ready for the video we're here in uh, Mexico at the end of our mission trip we just spent a great week um, with our missionaries Adolfo and April Rezga and his assistant Marcial Munoz did I say that right yeah okay and uh, we just wanted to talk to him a little bit about our trip um, and our mission trip, our group that we had. Um, how did you guys feel like the week went? How did, how did our team help you guys in your ministry? Well, I think it went very, very good. It was uh, a lot of encouragement for the people from the church to see somebody from the States spending their time, their money, their effort, and working every day and helping us uh, fix a lot of stuff in the church and make it look nicer. And I think it was a blessing for for everybody in church. Yeah, thanks for coming. You're welcome. Marcial, how did you think our group did? Very, very good. I think the people was very happy with Gary, with the amazing Gary. <laughs> yeah, he was very, very good with the music this last Sunday, so the people was very happy. Thank you, guys. What about the amazing drummer? Oh, yeah, the amazing drummer <laughs> was very good, too. The, the amazing drummer and the preacher was good. <laughs> um, I know one of the things we started supporting you guys uh, within the last year is the Mana Feeding Center, and we were able to go and see that and uh, be there and, and see it firsthand. Um, how has the Mana Feeding Center helped your ministry, and, and how do you think it's going to help your ministry moving forward? Okay, so far it has helped uh, a lot with the uh, people from our church uh, because we are teaching them and then we want them to get involved. And this has provided an opportunity for the people in our church to get involved, to serve, to prepare the food, and then to go and help other people. And, and not only in the physical way, but uh, we have been able to present the gospel. Like not, not only me as a pastor, but the people we're training. They have been able to go and one-on-one -on -one present the gospel and a lot of people have been saved. Right. And even though you haven't seen any come to church yet, you've had many come to Christ. Yes. Yes, we have had uh, around 70 kids that have gotten saved, like one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. just presenting the, the, the gospel, and then like eight moms as well. Eight moms. That's yes. great. And you believe that as soon as that first kid or family comes, there'll be many others that start joining and, and coming yes. as well. Yes. And so I know we were able to ride uh, this week. You picked us up in the airport in the van, yes. the 15-passenger van that our church helped purchase. Yes. And tell us how that's been a blessing to your ministry. It's been a great blessing uh, because there's a lot of people in our church that would come a Sunday and then next Sunday they wouldn't because they wouldn't have money for public transportation. Now we have a guy in the church who has volunteered to go pick them up every Sunday 
and he he makes two routes in in the morning and then takes him back and he he brings an average of like 27 people every sunday uh, to church so those people who were not faithful coming to church now they are that's great so that's pretty cool uh, eventually uh, we're praying for them to get a, a better job and that kind of stuff so they won't need that and then use it for other people who are in the same situation so about almost 30 people are able to come to church now that otherwise would were not able to come exactly so tell us a little bit about this guy right here marcial amazing um, marcial what's that the, the amazing, amazing marcial <laughs> <laughs> um Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Marcial um, and how long it's been and, and how long he's been a part of your church helping you basically as your assistant. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, this is my good friend, Marcial, and I met him in 2000, like, well, when, once I moved to, to Saltillo, it was 2001, but I actually met him like two years before, briefly. And then in 2001, we, we saw each other every week and we became good friends. And he started his discipleship and started growing and, and changing his life completely. And God has worked with him and, and just kept helping the church little by little, every time a little more, a little more, and finished his discipleship. And he felt the calling uh, from God to be in his ministry as a missionary, as a pastor. So you discipled him. Yes, yeah, I you guys have been together about twelve years or thirteen. Yes, years. Yeah, yeah, almost thirteen years. Yeah, it's great. And he he has a great part of what's going on here. Yeah, in our and, and he ministry. leads the worship ministry. He yeah. leads all the singing and helps with the uh, with the youth, youth and yeah. college age, I believe, yeah, as yes. well. And on Sunday he was teaching a new members class. So yeah, that's right. He's a busy guy. Yeah. And uh, I know, Marcel, you, you shared something with me when we came here, because um, you and I have actually known each other for 10 years plus, yes. because mm -hmm. I met you about over 10 years ago back in Saltillo when I was there for a conference. Um, and you, you shared something with me that was very interesting, that you felt like God has been laying on your heart for the last couple of months. Can you just speak to that yeah, for a moment? Yeah, a few uh, months ago, I felt like God is calling me to go to the U.S. Uh, to ministry the Hispanic people yeah I don't know how much time maybe three four five years and then I don't know what happened maybe God called me to another country I don't know but just for now I feel uh, that God is calling me to go to the United States so that would be something that we could be praying for you about yeah please pray for that so Adolfo I know that we started supporting your work in Orizaba uh, in January of 2008 and you guys are actually the very first missionary family that we took on for support uh, at Orchard Church. We've been supporting you faithfully for six years, and we've raised that support and added the feeding center. Um, is there anything you just want to say to Orchard Church for the six years? Yes, absolutely. I want to say thank you very much. Uh, that support has been a blessing, and because of that, we're able to, to be here, and you guys are part of that. We really appreciate it. Thank you. To be a part of that work in Orizaba, Mexico, man, I tell you, you know, I, I believe this with all my heart that many of us are going to get, and many of you are going to get to heaven someday, and you're going to have people from all over the world come up and introduce themselves to you, and they're going to tell you, I'm here because of your support. I'm here because of your prayers. You know, you didn't know me before, but you know me now, and we're going to get to be together for all eternity. We're going to be brothers and sisters in Christ from all over this world because we've been a part of these ministries. But, but don't wait till you get to heaven. 
I really want to encourage you guys to, to try to go on one of our mission trips. We're going to continue to take trips around the world to visit uh, different fields and our, and our missionaries. We're, we're trying to put together a trip right now to the Philippines, to our feeding center there. Uh, we're trying to put together a trip to Slovakia, to the Obermans. Uh, we'll be going back to Haiti. We'll be going back to Orizaba again. We'll let you know when we have those trips planned and the dates. Just, just start praying now. Start saving your money now because it, it will be life-changing. And there's nothing like putting your feet on the ground in another country and seeing up front, personal, up close what God is doing around the world and knowing that we, we have a part in that and those, those people that are coming to know Christ. And we're not just trying to reach people for Christ around the world, we're trying to re- pe- reach people for Christ right here as well. And I just want to say to you the way we try to close each and every service, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, that's what this ministry is all about, bringing people to a saving knowledge of Christ and helping them to grow into disciples of Christ and, and reproduce themselves. And so if you've never received Christ, I hope you'll do that. If you have questions about that, come see me, one of our leadership team. We'd love to sit down and talk to you about how you can put your faith in and trust in Christ. But let's just pray right now uh, for the work there in Orizaba and our other missionaries around the world. Lord, we just want to uh, thank you that as a church we're able to look beyond these walls and this community to look around the world at the work you're doing and to be a part of ministries that are doing kingdom work with families like April and Adolfo Rezga, with Marcial and Jana. Munoz and and Lord to partner with them to lock shields with them to reach people for Christ and to make a difference we, we thank you for the feeding center and all the people that support that faithfully to feed these kids and see them come to Christ and their families come to Christ and and Lord we just ask you put a hedge of protection on that ministry there as they continue to do your work your way God thank you that we can uh, be a part of it and and seeing lives change thank you also for what you're doing right here in our community here at Orchard Church the many people coming to Christ and being baptized and being discipled and and the opportunity now that looks like is before us to maybe start a spanish-speaking work out of our church and and maybe even uh plant a whole new orchard church that's spanish-speaking lord we just we don't want to get ahead of you we want to wait on your timing and your direction we know you open and close doors your word says if we need wisdom to ask you we're asking for supernatural wisdom to make the right decisions at the right time but we're excited to see what you're going to do in the days ahead and that we get to be a part of of this and and we just love you we praise you and we pray all this in jesus name amen